Coming up next, Sanity Talks Scripture. But first, go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity to support this podcast and other great work. You're now listening to the Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. This is Nathan Opperson, your humble and obedient host. We've got associate producer Benjamin Solzer over there. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Ben. Now people know how he sounds. Let's find out how Jacob Menzel, the pastor who is the master of all that his hand undertakes, the CEO of Warhorn Media, so many things. Let's find out how his voice sounds. Jake, how does your voice sound? Sup. Sounds like that. Today's subject, fellas, I dare say we had so much fun last time handling a question from the Westminster Shorter Catechism that we decided to do it again. We did question number one last time. We thought we'd handle question number two this time. What is question number two from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, you ask? Let me just read it here. It says, question number two, Q2. What rule have God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? Answer. The word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. Now this, of course, leads us to a fun segment, which I'm going to call Bible Facts. Yay. Hey, welcome to Bible Facts. Ben, give us some Bible Facts. This is going to be a very short segment, I think. All right, Nathan. Well, first of all, 100 million copies are sold of the Bible every year. Wow, what a popular book. Sir sounds like a popular book, right, Jake? Oh, yeah, very popular. It's very popular. But what does the word Bible mean, I wonder? Well, Bible's from the Greek Biblia. So in Greek, ta Biblia means the scrolls. It means scrolls. The scrolls. Okay, well, Mm -hmm. what is this book? What does it contain, Jake, I wonder? Well, it's actually comprised of 66 books written by prophets, apostles, cupbearers, fishermen, farmers, poets, murderers, and adulterers. Yeah, I found that on a fun Bible Facts website. It says, murderers, adulterers, and traitors all wrote Bible. Not sure who they were thinking of for the traitor. Peter. Oh, duh. Hey. If you knew your Bible. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I, if I knew my Bible. Known. Well, that's why I do this show, so I can learn things. Hey, thanks for listening to Bible Facts, people. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson respects the Bible, right, Jake? Claims to. Jordan Peterson respects the Bible as like a fundamental narrative that is a product of our collective subconscious, et cetera, et cetera. But he does not regard it as the word of God. No, he would regard it as a myth, a Jungian archetypal kind of a myth that has a lot of truth that you can find. And therefore, in a a fundamental myth of Western civilization, the bedrock of all that we love, he'd give it that much credit, but he wouldn't go beyond it. It's just as divine as the deepest and most important things that well up from human souls. Which is Jordan divine. Peterson actually happens to treat those things with a great deal of almost mystical kind of respect, which means Absolutely, that yeah. he actually assumes a very religious tone when he's talking about the Bible, but it's which the same religious tone. Which is why he's so tone. attractive both to Christians and to pseudo-Christians. Absolutely. I feel pretty confused about how to apply the Bible now. Well, Ben, I'll tell you how to apply the Bible because it's right here in this question from the Westminster Shorter. The word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. Okay. Which, if you'll remember, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's question number one. So this question number two is like, well, how do I do that? Where's the instruction manual? And it's like, it's the Bible, idiot. 
Well, I mean, I guess if we wanted to... Oh, my stars! <laughs> it's the devil's advocate alarm. What in the world? That's right. Ben, why don't you explain what the D double A... Does it normally interrupt me? Yeah, it almost never interrupts Jake. That's fascinating. It but is pretty interesting. Jake, um, one never knows when the old devil's advocate alarm is going to pop up. Ben, explain the devil's advocate <laughs> alarm, if you will. I will, Nathan. The devil's did, advocate did I alarm? Did stick when it interrupted me? I didn't... I just think that's what naturally comes out is Oh My Stars. Oh My Stars is what one says when the alarm goes off. I think it's yeah, just Yeah, I don't like, know that it's possible to say something different. It's what wells up from the bottom most <laughs> pit of your soul. <laughs> Rises from our collective subconscious. Yep. <laughs> Jordan Peterson, we'll get him in here to examine he this. He would approve. But we need to explain to the audience that's listening, maybe for the first time, what the devil's advocacy alarm is. Well, Nathan, I'll tell you. The devil's advocacy alarm is the part of the show where one of us turns on the others and uh, argues against what we've been saying and then we have to fight back we have to come up with reasons why we're still right or so, admit defeat and or say, admit we're defeat wrong. that rarely happens but i think it's happened before it has happened once or twice yeah so what, what what we're saying today is that we agree with the westminster shorter catechism that the word of god is in fact contained in the scriptures of the old and new testament and it's the only rule to direct us how we may glorify god and enjoy him forever and the devil's going to fight against that and gentlemen I dare say I'd like to be the devil in this case. All right. So Mm. here is what I want to say. The Bible is absolutely full of contradictions. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that Jesus was taken directly to the high priest after he was arrested. John says Jesus was taken first to Annas, the father-in-law of the high priest. Luke says that Pilate sent Jesus to Herod. Matthew, Mark, and John make no mention yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this if is, this is your divine book, you say that it is without error, Ben. Do you not? You say, say it is the inerrant word of it's God. It's the I've, inerrant word of I've God. I've heard you guys throw around phrases like that. So why yep. does it have all these? I mean, sure, if it was just the work of man, maybe we could forgive a little thing here or there. But uh, the women that saw the empty, empty tomb, according to Mark, they said nothing to anyone. According to Matthew, they ran to report it to the disciples. According to Luke, they reported Listen, these things to yeah, the eleven yeah. and to all the rest. According to John, it was Mary Magdalene. People always bring these up like they're the first to discover them. Oh, look, all Christians have been ignoring There's the these. part of the law that says a <laughs> the, the, the son shall not be held responsible for oh, the sins goodness. of his father. Hey, and then there's the commandment that says... Just you, keep talking loudly and don't let us answer you. That yeah, will be that'll really work. effective. Let, let me ask you a question. Let's say you get off work today and you need to go to the grocery store, but your car is low on gas. Where might you stop on the way to the grocery store? The gas station. I'll play along. Okay. So you, you, you stop at the gas station on your way to the grocery store. You go to the grocery store. You tell one person, I went to the grocery store. You tell another person, I went to the gas station. Can they both be true? And so you have the story told from different perspectives, from different people who witnessed this stuff and who are choosing what they think is important for you to know. And yeah, but it's not just... It's not that the details can't be harmonized. It's, not it's just that omissions. they don't bother. For Second Kings says, two and 20 years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign. Second Chronicles says 40 and two. So your inerrant word given to you by God dictated to you from the Holy Spirit has these just these blatant errors, numerical errors like that. We just don't sweat the details. Is that what you're saying? Well, and it was the third hour and they crucified him. Mark says, John says it was about the sixth hour. This isn't a gas station thing. These are direct contradictions. This is me saying I went to the gas station to get gas 
and you saying, I went to Sam's Club to get gas. One of us is wrong. Brilliant. List a whole bunch of things out of context. And whenever we start to try to answer one thing, just pile on more garbage. You still haven't told me why any of those things. Uh, yeah, because every time we start, you just pile on with more stuff. And the fact is, you're not interested in hearing any r- rational, reasonable explanation of any of this stuff. I'm, I'm you're not. You're not interested. Well, if you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. But I'm all ears. No, that's... you are not all ears. Yep. You have not. You have. You are not all ears. You have no interest in hearing anything that we have to say. No, I really do. Tell me. Tell me why it says one date or one age for somebody, one place, and a completely different age. Tell, tell me why it says the third hour once and a sixth hour. These are not because we don't believe that every manuscript that's been passed down to us is perfect. But we do believe that the scriptures were perfect in their original autographs. Uh, true or false? Your God is an omnipotent God. True. Why would he allow errors to creep into his holy book? And he didn't allow. How are we supposed to know maybe, which maybe. parts of it to trust if he just allows well, for, errors to yeah, creep yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the translation. I mean, you can be all high-handed and say it's the translation and not the, or it's you know it was over time. But if I can't actually trust what's in front of me, then what am I supposed to do with that? There's there's plenty of good answers to those questions, but let me give you one right now. One is that maybe he allowed errors to flush out people's unbelief in him. Because what's your? This oh, so is all. God's, God's a trickster. He just sets it. Did he? Did he plant dinosaur bones in the ground too, Ben? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's so not that what I'm saying. We no. we would think that the Earth was older because he wanted to make it more hard for people no, to come no, to him. No, no. I'm saying I'm saying that unbelief will take any excuse it can get. All I'm asking is we've got a book. It's been handed down. The version that I have, the version that I can find, has obvious contradictions. So how am I supposed to know what please to trust tell me, and what not to trust? Please tell me. You found a contradiction in the age. Of Ahaziah. Of Ahaziah. Ahaziah. Tell me about the contradictions that you find in the Levitical laws or in the moral law. Tell me about the contradictions you find in any substantive story anywhere. Oh, sure. Uh, Exodus 20.15 says, Thou shalt not steal. Exodus 3.22 says, And ye shall spoil the Egyptians. And so they plundered the Egyptians. God actually commands them to steal. <laughs> God, God, God forbids <laughs> vows. That's, and then that's, he commands people to make vows. That's really, that's really dumb. Incredibly graven, simplistic in, way in, of... Exodus 20 says, they shall, you shall not make for you any graven image or any likeness, da, da, da. Later, God actually commands them to make an ark with images, graven images of creatures from heaven above. To come at the book of Leviticus with such a really, uh, what you're doing is you're making interpretive statements here, not factual statements. And so you could, I suppose, assume that the author of that book and the author of the law and everybody who's ever tried to follow that is just a total idiot who didn't see that as a clear contradiction. Or maybe you're the idiot and maybe there's a better interpretation. So might makes right. The, the, the democratic process, as long as enough people have believed in something, this is this is why Nazi Germany Germany was great, right? Not to play the Nazi card, but wow. I, I guess when a lot of people believe something, it's it's definitely true. A lot of people. First of all, that's not the argument that I made. What the argument I made was you are jumping to some really weird interpretations. All right, here, let me throw another one at you. This one, this is not. Uh-huh. This is not minutia. This is at yep. the center of your faith. Are we saved through works? Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of works. Galatians says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Sounds pretty simple. But then the book of James, this uh-huh. is all New Testament stuff, says, You see then how by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So even at the center of what you claim to believe, there are yeah. giant discrepancies. Yeah, everybody 
who has believed, who has been a Christian for 2,000 millennia, is a total idiot. There aren't different ways of interpreting what the difference between the way James is talking about justification and the way that the Apostle Paul is talking about justification there. Well, Brilliant. So Great. if I if I tried to uh, extend the same interpretive latitude and grace to, uh, say, the Quran, say, the Book of Mormon, would, would, would you be okay with that? Because I can imagine you doing a number on those things in the way that I am and pointing out the contradictions and not at all allowing the same grace there for those books. Apparently, the Bible, we're just supposed to close our eyes and allow great latitude, interpret, interpretive latitude. Oh, you're, give, you're, you're, the, the Bible gets you're, every benefit of the doubt you're just and making, nothing else does. You're, you're just making broad claims without any understanding of the actual work that's gone into both defense of the Bible and criticism of the Quran. I have pointed out contradiction after no, you contradiction. Haven't. No, you, no haven't. you haven't. I have pointed out No, uh, you've gone to an atheist website and read a bunch of things that other people have cherry-picked to say are contradictions without even attempting to understand any of the passages cherry that pick, you're I pulling had, in context. Let me let me tell you about that cherry picketing. I had historical facts that were discrepancies. I had narrative discrepancies, and I had giant theological discrepancies. At, no, you didn't. How many more discrepancies do I have to bring? You did not. That's not what you had. That's what your website told you you had. How many thousands of different things do, does one have to swallow? Does one have to forgive? Does one have to turn a blind eye to to accept this Bible? I've just How asked. dishonest can you possibly be I've in your some, attack? I, How dishonest can you be in your approach to Scripture? What, in your approach name to one lie I told. It. I simply quoted Scripture yeah, you did, at no, you. I haven't told any lies. I've simply yes, asked, you have. put this verse together, and then I've quoted the verse. And then you've claimed verse. it's a contradiction without any context whatsoever, and that's lying. That's lying. If you want to be honest about, say, the James passage and the passages in Paul, we can have an honest conversation about it. But again, you don't want to have an honest conversation about it. Well, you know, I guess I am not inclined to give the benefit of a doubt to a book where God commands his holy people to engage in genocide, to a book where if a woman, if a, if a man's fighting with a man and a, a woman accidentally gr- tries to intervene and grabs the guy's private parts, her hand will be cut off. To a book that commends or allows for fathers to sell their own daughters into sexual slavery. Well, that's a really... For a book that allows children, not children that are murderers. Let's just stop there. Let's just stop there. Please unpack um, a father selling his daughter into sexual slavery. Exodus 21. Again, I'll quote some scripture, Pastor Menzel. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she shall not be freed at the end of six years as the men are. If she does not please the man who bought her, he may allow her to be bought back again. So this is nice, lays down some nice guidelines for how to sell your daughter. Wonderful. Where does it say that she's a sex slave? If she does not please the man, what do you think that that is? She doesn't please the man that bought her? If she uh, doesn't do his dishes? Is that what it's talking about there? I mean, come on. Let's uh, uh, allow me a little interpretive nuance here. Oh, interpretive nuance. That's what you want, huh? Let me a little latitude. Oh, you, you, here, here you want to have some interpretive nuance, but you want to use blunt force everywhere else. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just... You just go right ahead. Ignore all of the laws dictating how uh, masters are to treat their slaves. You're dishonest in how you argue. You're dishonest in what you say. And you have absolutely no integrity in your approach to these things. And you have no understanding of them either. So it's dishonest to quote scripture. The, no, it's not dishonest. All I've done is sat here and yeah, quoted you can, scripture. You can quote scripture, scripture dishonestly, scripture. and you have been, but that's not the same thing. Slaves, be subject to your masters with all reverence. Yeah. There, there's, there's, maybe maybe I'm not so inclined to condone a book that... Uh, tr- true or false? 
Just tell me this. The Bible condones slavery. True. All right. Thank you. Now, can you define slavery in biblical terms, or can you only define it through the lens of 21st century American terms? Slaves be subject to your masters. There is also a verse, let me see, if a man beats his slave so that the slave dies, then the man gets in trouble. But if he beats him and the slave doesn't die, then that's okay. It explicitly says it's okay because the slave is his property. So I can at least define slavery as a system where you can beat someone so long as they don't die. That's right there in the Bible. And what about the psalm where David rejoices in dashing babies to death on the rocks? That's in the Bible. What about the calls for genocide, entire wiping out of entire people groups, women, little children, babies? I mean, the Bible is just chock full of that stuff. Why would I want to offer the benefit of a doubt to a book like that? It's repugnant. If, if you want to spend your life doing a song and a dance or turning a blind eye or pretending like those things don't matter, atrocities, things that if you saw them today, you'd never stop throwing up, then fine, great. But, but, but what kind of compelling call can you make to me to make me want to give myself to that? This is a barbaric old book from a barbaric time where they beat slaves, where they sold their daughters into slavery. There's stipulations for how to take women captive and decide that you just want her to be your wife. She doesn't have to condone that. She doesn't have to be okay with that. If she pleases you, if you think she's sexy, you can, you can choose to use her that way. I mean, there's just like all kinds of stuff like that in the Bible. It's chock full of it. Chock I mean, it, full of it, huh? It's ridiculous to me that people would read this book to their kids. I mean, they, 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 you want to talk about cherry picking, you got to cherry pick cherry pick like crazy in order to find the passages that are nice and sweet and uplifting but actually you know our fundamental assumptions in reading the bible are that god is right about our sin and our need of him and that he has the right to dispose of human affairs as he pleases and you think you have a higher right than god to define what evil and good is and you, I just, and you I just don't these judgments I just, so, I just so hope, glibly I just hope you don't decide that God's told you to dash my baby's brains out on the rock because apparently if God tells you to do something then you just do it and you don't think about it well, I just I just hope you you don't try and sell your daughter into slavery oh we we, 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 we definitely want to do I just do hope you don't think you can God attack a neighboring says. tribe and you know what are you going to lead a group of people to Mexico and steal all their women well you know what if God had told us to do that we would and we would be right but he hasn't told us to do that because well, I'm in glad these you admit last it. That's, days that's where we disagree in these last days he's revealed himself to us through his son Jesus Christ this is not an age where God's people have been given the sword they were and I'm, we're not apologizing that God gave his chosen people the sword to execute his judgments you think God doesn't have a right to judge men as he pleases. That, uh, that's, your, that's actually your reigning assumption right now. Is he, he does not have a right to do that by your and, lights. And how do you know that he does? The fundamental difference here is God is holy and you're corrupt. And you have offended him and you are at war with him. And that's it at the end of the day. That's it. That's the only thing that's going on here. Prove it. I know and you know, no matter what you say, that you live your life trying to deal with a guilty conscience before a holy God. Maybe I would if I read a holy book that had all the stuff you just mentioned. Where does that guilt come from, I wonder? It comes from the fact that you know that God is God, that he is holy, and that he's going to judge you one day. And so you can rage against his book, and you can rage against him, and you can rage against us all you want, but at the end of the day, it's not going to solve the problem of your guilty conscience. 
And you know all this how? The Bible tells me so. And how do we know the Bible's true? Because it is. Well, because it testifies me, to the reality. Satisfying. It, because it testifies to the reality of God as he is and the human experience as it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, so if something happens to jive up with the truth, then... You know, actually, the movie The Matrix kind of testifies to the way I feel. I kind of feel trapped. I, I guess The Matrix must be right. It explains so much about my life. Yeah, except that it's an obvious fantasy. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Obvi- uh, oh, kind of like a guy coming back from the dead? Uh, no, because that actually kind of like happened. demons and, and angels too. and obvious myth- mythological constructs? Uh, there's, yeah, it's, listen, it's not obvious. Listen, you're going to have your myth. You're going to have your story. You're going to have the things that you lean on and trust in no matter what you say and the ways that you deal with your conscience and there's only one way that's right and yeah it's the way that says it's right it's the bible so because the bible says the bible's true let me ask you guys this question how did the bible come to be the bible god inspired various men over a period of centuries to write different parts of it and you have all these separate books written by different men and, and who compiled it men His people Mm-hmm. But it was God's hand through it all because God is the one who, who spoke through these men. Was it the apostles? Was it holy men that put it all together in the end? Well, it was holy because they were consecrated by God for his purposes. How do so you know? Do you, do you have a record of, of this? The Bible testifies to its own holiness and authority. It, it simply does. It's not like other books. Well, so we've got this insular, self-contained loop. The Bible says I should believe the Bible, so they're short for I should believe the Bible. Actually, the Bible, I mean, if, if, if anything... There's not even a part of the Bible that says which parts of the Bible, you know, I mean, the, you'll find the, places in the Bible that will talk about the Old Testament, I guess, like the New Testament what's refers your, to... The, what's your self-contained loop? I believe that if you dash a baby to pieces, it's gross and terrible, and I wouldn't But want, you admit that you have a self-contained loop and that you disturb your own judge and your own authority and you decide for yourself what's right and what's wrong. I have a very simple philosophy, which is the golden rule, actually, do unto others. I wouldn't like someone to... No, you just borrowed that from Scripture. You can't have that. Sure can. Mm -hmm. I never said that the Bible wasn't full of decent things. There's good stuff in there. Don't try to misrepresent me. Golden rule's great. Yeah, but I'm not sure where you... Uh, No. Why you have the authority to make make that call. A lot of people don't think the Golden Rule is great, actually. I don't like it when people cause me pain, so I'm not going to cause anybody else pain, and that seems pretty good to me. And You're causing us pain right now, life. but you don't seem to care. You guys brought it on yourselves. Did I mean, honestly, just don't try and shove your holy book down my throat, and I'll, you know, if, you, if it makes you happy to believe it, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. There's no, there's no God, but I hate him. <laughs> this is how do it. We've clearly been the aggressive ones today. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Sorry for shoving, shoving Bible, our beliefs shoving down, the Bible your, down throat. your throat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really depressed, actually. I'm, I'm breaking. I'm breaking devil character, guys. I'm done. I think. Can are I be you, done? Are you done? Yeah, you can be done. Yeah, is, is yeah. That enough devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, you actually you fairly represented the moves people do make in conversation. Well, we'll talk about it. We got to take a break though. What in tarnation? Hi, Lance. What you doing, Chip? Isn't it obvious, Lance? Burning all my clothes in a giant bonfire on my lawn while wearing a 100% cotton toga. Yeah, Chip, well, I guess that leads to an obvious question. I think I know what you're going to ask, Lance. It's the most obvious question in the world. Why do they call them flying squirrels? More like gliding squirrels, if you ask me, or gracefully falling squirrels. 
A squirrel can't fly, Lance. Unless, of course, he's in an airplane or something, but even then, you don't call a human in an airplane a flying human. You've got a lot of explaining to do, flying squirrel namers. America wants answers. Well, Chip, I actually, believe it or not, that, that wasn't my question. I so. guess I jumped the gun there, Lance. But I, I think I know what you're going to ask now, though. Why don't hornets make good pets? And the answer is, you ever tried to put a leash on a hornet? It's too big. And I don't mean the hornet. I mean the leash. No, Chip. What I want to ask you is, well, why are you burning all your clothes in a bonfire while wearing a 100% cotton toga? Well, Lance, there's a simple answer for that. Which is... If I was naked, there'd be a scandal. Yeah, Chip. I guess we did talk about that after the swimming pool incident of 97, but actually what I'm really wondering is, why are you burning all your clothes in a bonfire, Chip? Well, that's easy, Lance. The fireplace was too small. Besides, a family of rock badgers came to live in my chimney flue. Chip, you have rock badgers in your chimney? Well, they were regular badgers, until I made them some tiny guitars and drums. Chip, Chip, the point is why are you burning your clothes? Because that's the best way to reduce them to embers, Lance. Why are you trying to reduce your clothes to embers, Chip? Because I set them on fire, Lance. What reason do you have for burning your clothes? Well, now, Lance, you look almost more confused than a badger who's just been handed a tiny guitar. Badgers don't play instruments, Chip. You try telling that to Stevie Ray Badger, Lance. Stevie Ray what? Oh, for Pete's sake, Chip, my point is, you shouldn't be destroying your clothes. You wouldn't say that if you read the Bible, Lance. Chip, you know I read the Bible with Laura and the kids every night. What on earth are you talking about? Stands to reason you would have read them kids Leviticus, too. (laughs) I ain't sure what... Anyway, Lance, I just read this here verse in Leviticus. Neither shall a garment of two kinds of material come upon you. So it was goodbye polyester wool. Chip. Hello, 100% cotton toga. Chip... That, that the only non-mixed fabric clothing you have? Well, I don't think you want to see me in my mom's wedding dress, Lance. Chip, I don't even know where to start. First of all, your toga's got a denim patch on the back. Ah, Dad, toga! No, Dad. Chip, no! I Stop gotta do yourself in the back here. Fabrics. Chip, calm down, Chip, calm down. Calm down. Look here, Chip, look. That command about mixed fabrics part of the ceremonial law, which actually Jesus was the abrogator Abra, of. Abra, Abra, what's it? Gator. Actually, the only shoes I got left are gator. No, Chip, abrogator. Sure, Lance Sparky's got a third cousin that raises abrogators, only I think it's not pronounced abrogators, it's pronounced uh, I know alli- it's pronounced alligators, Chip. So what's the story with these alligators again, Lance? There's no alligators, Chip. You mean alligators are like underwater unicorns or... Smart people wearing skinny jeans? No, Chip. I'm trying to explain. Not every command in the Old Testament applies today like it did back then. So I don't got to burn on my clothes? No, Chip. Oh. Well, on the bright side, all I have left to wear are these cotton togas. Would Claire approve of you taking her out in a toga, Chip? I can think of at least one kind of restaurant that'd be perfect to wear a toga to, Lance. McDonald's. <laughs> Chip. Why, why don't I just run to the store and bring you back some jeans and denim shirts? I don't know, Lance. Why don't you? Probably because you left your wallet here when you drove home last night and Pink Eye ate it. Chip! Wait, actually, Pink Eye didn't eat it. Oh. It was Stevie Ray Badger. Chip! Chip. Chip. And we're back! Well, I imagine Jake probably felt a little bit like this after doing... Question one, that's kind of depressing to play that guy, I have to admit. What a terrible, wicked, hopeless, and ultimately foolish headspace to have to enter into. Yep. Well, let's explain what just happened and what what, what can we learn about learn from it, guys? I'm I'm exhausted from playing the devil, so when it one of you guys 
what what that, those are the kinds of things that people come at you with. So here's here's what I like about that that devil. I don't like anything about that devil. Well, here's what I like about that performance of the devil. He was pretty nakedly and honestly disingenuous, right? <laughs> in every approach, and what what that exposes is the reality behind. So, so here's here's the thing. You think that you're going to go and read an apologetics book or apologetics website, and then have all of the arguments prepared, the answer ready for this, that, or the other thing, because you have this idiotic assumption that people care about the arguments, mm-hmm. and they don't. They don't care about the arguments. Any any stick is good enough to beat the Bible with, guys. And so, the types of people that make those arguments are people. They've not actually looked at the scriptures. They've not actually done their homework. What they've done is they've looked for a couple of sticks to beat the Bible with. They've gone to a freshman course or they've gone to an atheist website and said, oh, good, now I know, now I have five sticks that I can beat the Bible and and Christians with, and aren't they so stupid, ha, ha, ha. It's a self-congratulatory sort of preaching to the choir kind of thing. And if you try to come at them as if they're objective— and as if you can have an objective argument on neutral ground with them, you're going to get beat up because that's not the way that they fight. That's not the way that they play. That You will occasionally run into somebody who's more sophisticated and sincere or seemingly sincere. But at the end of the day, everything they have to say, I mean, there are there's the guy out there who Runs exists. Runs There's Well, there's the guy out there who exists to prove that he's willing to listen to you and actually be more reasonable than you are. Yeah, if I had wanted to play an even more crafty devil, I think, and this is the kind of obnoxious thing you'll run into, is someone who just wants to play the reasonable. Yeah. Oh, well, what about this? I'm just, I'm just asking questions, which my devil kind of did, but he was much more nasty about it than mm-hmm. people will be sometimes. Yeah, and so you got to be able to just step outside and step above the arguments and get, again, to what's going on with the person that you're talking to. It's hard to have these sorts of arguments because, again, Nathan's playing a character and that character can pivot and that character can, you know, it's not a fully formed person, like the kind of person that you're mm-hmm. going to run into on the streets. Yeah, I mean, I think but, when when Jake was saying things like, you know, you, your conscience rebels against God, in real life, he might want to try and drive towards something really specific where that person's point of yeah, rebellion actually absolutely is. absolutely is what, you know, that's where I was feeling a little at sea and feeling like I was doing a pretty weak job, but that's because... Normally, by that point in a conversation like this, I think I'm going to have some handles and I'm going to know, have a good vibe, a good idea of where to sort of prick this person's conscience in a way that's specific. Or I might have gone, you know, if it's a man, I might have gone graphic in a way that I didn't want to on for Mike. Our, for our mixed sex podcast, yeah. Yeah, because there there are sins that are common among men in particular that afflict and have at least at a certain point in a man's life he may be hardened now afflicted his conscience Mm -hmm. but there's a way to 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 open those scabs open those wounds and try to do what we you know last time what we talked about jesus doing with the woman at the well right woman fetched me water well why would you go call your husband oh that hurts i perceive that you're a prophet i have no husband yeah that's right you have you've had however many and the man that you're with now is not your husband oh i perceive you're a prophet mm-hmm. okay that hurt let me divert to a theological philosophical discussion right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you're that theological argument's stupid because it's true worshipers that the father's seeking mm-hmm. uh, okay well uh <laughs> you know he just backs her into a corner in the corner he's not going to get caught on these 
theological philosophical arguments, which is not to say that there are answers. It's not to say there's not an answer for whether or not you should worship on this mountain or that mountain. It is to say that that's not what's, if that's not what's going on here, that's not what we focus on. We have to get to the root of the issue with people. And so on the one hand, it's good to have answers for these sort of things, and you can read your apologetics books and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and have some reasonable answers that maybe put somebody on their heels. Like They're not expecting you to have a reasonable answer for some of the things they're used to trotting out. Right. But again, at the end of the day, that's not the real issue. They are committed in the rebellion against God. That's why they have bothered studying those facts in the first place. Right. And so at the end of the day, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be reading up on our apologetics websites and think that we've got to, you know, to defend the Bible at every turn. What we need to do is be steady, trust the Bible. The Bible has stood the test of time. It's going to be here long after we're all gone. Atheists have been attacking it for years, and they can't really make any ground against it, no matter what they say. Well, let me just agree to 100%. We're calling people to faith, and we're we're ministering to their consciences. That's where your focus has to be. But I know that there are people listening that have perhaps weak consciences or or feel afflicted by some of those arguments. So let's very briefly close the loop on a couple of these things. We don't have the space to give the answer to every one of those verses that I brought up. But basically, I brought up as the devil three things. I brought up the idea of the Bible containing contradictions. I brought up the idea of the Bible containing things that are just wicked things that are, you know, genocide, whatever, killing small children, all the stuff that's difficult about the Levitical law. Right, because everyone in our society cares, takes very seriously the killing of small children. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, exactly. And then number three, the idea of, as a certain professor of my fiance called it, a a self-referential insular epistemic framework. In other words, the Bible testifies about itself that it's true, and therefore we believe it. But how can you believe something? You know, it's a circular loop. So those are kinds of the, kind of the three things that the devil brought up. Broadly speaking, what do you say to contradictions? There are all kinds of simple, easy ways of harmonizing every most everything that appears to be a contradiction. At the end of the day, a simple trust in scriptures and the harmony of the scriptures is going to get you a lot farther than trying to parcel out all the different ways things could be harmonized, though. Well, and I think you were absolutely right in pointing out that the devil was unwilling to grant the Bible any leeway, interpretive leeway, where any other book in the world, he would say, oh, well, obviously they meant this. Yeah, it could be this, it could be that, it could be the other thing. That's sort of what I was, with that illustration, what I was driving at, you know, of you went to the store, to the grocery store after work, but you stopped at the gas station. One person says he went to the gas station. Another person says he went to the store. Well, he actually did both. Yeah. And you might say, I went to the store and forget to mention that you went to the gas station. Why? Because you only went to the gas station so you could get to the store. You're going to the store. You just had to do this other thing. It's not a lie or an inconsistency or a contradiction to have omitted that aspect of it because you were telling what you thought was the important part of the story. Yeah, I also think it is important. There are things to rem- like that all over the place. And it is important to remember what Ben, I think, started to say, but the devil kind of trounced him or, or just or stomped on him, which is everything isn't alike clear in scripture. There actually are places that are harder to interpret and God's not unaware of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he must want us to work through some things. I mean, I you think or God doesn't know that. Like, trust him. Yeah, or just trust him. Like the yeah. Levitical law is God blind to the fact that the Levitical law is more difficult to work through, just more boring to read even, than 
some exciting narrative, the gospel of Luke. Or no. the story of Daniel and the lion's den. No. Is God shocked that, oh no, did God fail to make it clear in the Bible that there's such a thing as the Trinity? Well, no, God, God has his own purposes for making things less clear. They get worked out over time. And part of being a Christian is trusting God to know that he has his own process. Yeah, You're not privy to it. I just always think it's of King David in the Psalms. I always forget what Psalm it is where he says, I have not considered things too big for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some of that stuff you're never going to know. And that's fine. So contradictions was number one. Secondly, we can probably deal with this pretty quickly. The, the idea that the Bible is just immoral, that God tells his people to slaughter yeah, and the, and, women and, and children. The answer to that is how dare you sit in judgment mm-hmm. on God and on his commands and on his laws and on the ways that he has ordered his people. It's, God is holy. That means there is nobody on earth that doesn't deserve condemnation or anything that comes to them. And his standard is holy, and you can form your standards to his standard, not the other way around. Yeah. And you start there. And if you're not willing to start there, then there's a fundamental problem. And that fundamental problem is that you don't regard God as holy, and you're a rebel against his authority. Not that there's some problem with his authority or his holiness. To me personally, though, that bolsters my faith so much because I just think almost any other religion you can name it all makes sense. Like it's the kind of thing that a person would come up with because we tend to like it or you could see how somebody at the time did. But if the almighty God actually wrote a book, don't you think it might contain some stuff that your puny human brain couldn't wrap itself? When I come across something that's just difficult like that, where it's like, would God really do that? Uh, To me in a weird way, it gives me faith actually, because how small would my God be if I could, if I just understood and appreciated and was naturally happy with everything that he, that he did. Yeah, that would be a good reason to be suspicious of your God. I really think it would. He's already in tune with all your moral sensibilities. Well, that's, that's handy. Okay. So thirdly, there's the whole, the Bible is a self-referential loop. The Bible says, obey the Bible. And so therefore we obey the Bible because the Bible says to obey the Bible. We kind of dealt with this last episode, but what do you guys want to say to that very quickly? There's no getting away from a loop. There's only the question of where you're looking and who you're looking to as the authority that you're going to submit to. And so you can submit to your freshman philosophy professor, or you can submit to yourself, or you can submit to the rule established by God for how we are to glorify and enjoy him that's been well established for thousands of years now and that has guided and governed his people for millennia into uh, faithfulness to him and everlasting happiness yeah and then they're actually it's a lie to say that there's not something outside of the bible that testifies to the bible's veracity that thing is the spirit of god working in our hearts and yep you either have that or you don't but yep. if you have it you know the bible's true yeah mm-hmm. i mean also god made us in his image and so the Bible corresponds with who we are. Jake said that, something like that earlier. How God's word reveals our own experience to us and tells us the truth about it. And when you've experienced that, you realize that other holy books and other religions are not doing that, actually. They're, they're no, not telling the truth no, to you about your experience. At least not in any way close to the same. No, and it's not close to the same. It's not. And yeah, does that sound like the kind of thing that... A crazy zealot would say? Yeah, that people would laugh at or whatever. Yeah, sure. Okay, fine. But fact is, people are going to trust in themselves. They're going to trust in their freshman philosophy professors, or they're going to they're going to trust in another system of some kind. 
we're going to look to God and to the scriptures. You'd better put yourself in good hands. And what more proud hands than the man who says, I will uh, uh, submit to no authority but to myself. And what more foolish hands than than the person who says, I will submit to my freshman philosophy professor, right? Like, no. You you're gonna you gotta serve somebody, as the great poet once said. As the great poet once said, <laughs> everybody's gotta serve somebody. Everybody's gotta have faith in something. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sound of Sanity was associate produced by Benjamin Solzer, produced by Nathan Albertson, executive produced by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Albertson. As are all fine war horn products. Support us at patreon.com forward slash Sound of Sanity. And until next time, folks, stay sane.